Hello, listeners. Guten Nacht and Buenas Noches, and welcome to Uber Cinco, the award-winning podcast where we deep dive top fives. I'm Nathan Henenfent, your host, where our two contestants will reveal and defend their top five back-to-school items. That's right, fall is in the air. I just heard the morning bell ring, so sharpen those pencils and keep your eyes on your own test. Class is in session. Our two-star pupils battling it out today are from Wrigleyville, USA, the excellence of execution, the heartbreak kid, the all-American badass, the Texas rattlesnake, the Ayatollah of rock and roller, Mrs. Foley's baby boy, Mitch Brinkman. (laughs) Going on, Hello. <laughs> Holy God. Uh, I, I need you to write uh, my introductions for when I go back home for Christmas. I don't see everyone's uh, disappointed faces when I walk into my grandma's house and they <laughs> and they say things like, oh, we haven't seen you in years. How's Chicago? That that gun riddled battlegrounds. Um, <laughs> But uh, thank you for having me. I I just want to say, first off, a thank you and a shout out to Mike's Liquors in downtown Ely, Minnesota on Sheridan Street. Go to Mike's. They have a great beer selection and wonderful koozies. So (laughs) that's a great that's a great tagline. Go to Mike's. Just simple, (laughs) uh, imperative sentence. Go to Mike's. Just and, do it. And I, lo- I love it because the koozie, their, their, um, their picture here, it's just two old stumble bums trying to empty a, an old wooden keg. So. <laughs> the number one back to school item. Go get liquor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And that, uh, that other voice you're hearing there, that is hailing from Berwyn, Illinois. That's the Brahma Bull, the great one, the people's champion, the WWE's first third generation superstar, the most electrifying man in podcasting entertainment. Finally, Brian has come back to Uber Cinco. How you doing, Brian? Wow. It I doesn't can- matter how you're doing. <laughs> I cannot live up to that introduction. Get ready for a disappointing episode, everybody. <laughs> oh, All man. right. Uh, Anyways, Brian, but you are you are okay? I'm fine. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> All right. Uh, you are okay. Yeah. Just, just making sure. Okay. Yeah. Just, I'm still have, living. I am still living, kicking and screaming. All right. Well, that should be good enough for the next hour or so. <laughs> uh, if this is your first time in the Uber Cinco Den, let's wake you out of hibernation with a quick rundown of the rules. Nathan, I just wanted to be clear. I am not okay, but that's fine. Let's keep going. So, um... <laughs> Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. Starting with their number five choice, we will move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber you will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And as a host, I am entitled to institute a house rule. Today's rules, since it's school, is that we have to start the morning by all standing and chanting in unison to an inanimate piece of cloth. Contestants may only go outside for fresh air for two predetermined 15-minute periods throughout the day, and you must ask nicely to be excused from the classroom to take care of necessarily bodily functions, and even then, it's not a guarantee. All right. As a reminder, 
Don't forget to stick with us till the end of the show where I, Nathan Hennenfent, will give you my fast five send off where I'll rattle off the definitive list of the top five unmade sequels as summarized by Variety magazine. (laughs) I love that. Oh, my God. And because this is just straight hot goss and I love straight hot goss. So it's (laughs) you'll you'll see there is definitely reasons none of them were made. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, let's start class. Let's start educating ourselves. Let's prepare for the school year. I would like Brian Ernst to start with his number five. All right. Uh, I will apologize. I am pretty sure there is a Mexican Independence Day parade going down my street at this moment. So for you listening to the horns, throw your horns in and celebrate Mexican Independence Day with them. All right. Here we go. <laughs> so my number five I have is the one week's worth of new clothes that are never the same after the first wear. So uh, these are the clothes that your mom took you to the outlet mall to get midsummer. Uh, you got fresh kicks from the Nike outlet store because that's the only place you can find shoes to fit your feet. Um, you also got them a little half size too big just because you're confident you're going to you're gonna have another growth spurt. Um, it's going to hit pretty soon. And then uh, this is where you get your first pair of faded jeans that kind of give you an edge before you head back to school. Oh, my God. And not oh. only do you have a few clean picture day ready pairings, but also that new generic jersey that she let you get off the clearance rack after begging for an hour. And then uh, these clothes are either left in their packaging or hung up in a special place in the closet where you can check on them every day leading up to the first day of school. Yep, still there. Okay, good. Now, then you wear those clothes on the first week of school and their allure immediately wears off. They are no longer cool after all of that hype you've built up for the summer and you've worn them, everyone's seen them. They're not new. Now they're just you. And the magic is gone. And school becomes real once again. That's so depressing. They're not new. Now they're just you. (laughs) Yes. So, so unbelievably accurate (laughs) about everything I've ever purchased in life. (laughs) That's wow. I, uh, Brian, is this that one blue faded football jersey you used to wear or maybe still have? That is was one that, of them. That would have been probably a little bit okay. older. That was that was actually a Florida Gators jersey with a number one on it. Oh, it was. Okay. That I got from yeah. uh, Stephen Barry's before they closed. That was where everything, yeah. everything in the store was $8 or less. That's, uh, that, that's, I mean, and obviously everything there was made in the U.S. by uh, people making above minimum wage, I'm guessing. Right? Uh, of so. course, of course. <laughs> I remember I had Big Ben Wallace shoes from, from, oh, yeah. from, from, from Stephen Barry's. I remember nobody BBWs. In, nobody in high school knew what college I was going to because of all the different college sweatshirts I wore from Stephen Barry's. <laughs> Because I had like a Michigan State one, I had an Oklahoma one, I had Florida. Like nobody knew what the hell was going on. I'm like, why the hell are you wearing that? I'm like, I uh, green looks good. Michigan State, this is fine. I'm just gonna wear mm. green this week. And it, it, it wasn't because Michigan State has a great Martin Scorsese film uh, program. Um, what? No, I'm joking. I'm like, I'm, like you're not a sports <laughs> guy. That's what I'm trying. <laughs> I did not follow along. I told you guys I was not going to live up to my introduction. And here is the proof. Um, Yeah, that's just. Well, that's that's sort of how I feel about the clothes I would get when I would go back to school is I wouldn't like I would be so excited. Nobody had seen me in all of these clothes yet. Yeah. 
and then then yeah you wear them once and then they go through the wash and they don't fit the way that they did or you're growing so fast they only fit you for like five minutes of your life or you stain them in the first lunch period of your back to school days and you're like god damn it and then you just don't tell your mom about it and you just throw them in the bottom of the hamper and hope it goes away with an air wash and you know it won't <laughs> but uh that's my back to school shopping was you'd go down to it, it was called like you know henderson's uniform shop in downtown st paul and they had the the monopoly on parochial schools in the twin cities area and i'd go down and i'd get husky sized navy blue shorts and pants mm-hmm. um husky sized white polo shirts you know enough to blouse after you you tuck it in then you blast it out you know oh for sure um, so it doesn't look like your shirt's tucked in but it still is clearly yeah, because you have to do that yeah or the yeah. new pair of socks you haven't opened yet that's always a fresh pair of socks every oh, yeah. day to start a school day is the easiest because in just two weeks you will be scrounging around on your hands and knees in your bedroom looking for another sock just so you can get out the door on time. So <laughs> I, I, I started that tradition when I was about 11 years old and it continues up until this morning. <laughs> yeah. no, no day of my life has not involved a sock scrounge. That's yeah. that's great because that's, oh God, I hate that. I hate that so much. Not having clothes when you need them on a, on a deadline. That's the worst. What a, what a horrible uh, thing about being an adolescent and teenager is this pressure to look good for people who have seen you every day for your entire life. And you <laughs> yeah. still are like, oh, God, I must go. <laughs> Please. <laughs> My finest pearls. Where are they? <laughs> I, I can't believe I can't believe how much time I put into thinking about. Like I put more time into my appearance when I was 15 than I have as an adult. Oh, of course. And now I, I will go out. I don't get uh, the fact that I put on pants is a miracle for the public now. Like yeah. I do not care how I look. I've there have been times where like before I used to be like I can't leave the house without a hat. My hair's not done. Now I will show up looking like the, a complete ragamuffin. I don't give a shit anymore. So yeah, yeah was, we know. Was, yeah, we know. <laughs> I was looking through my uh, some people were I know we're talking about like their investments and their portfolio and stuff. And it made me reflect on mine. And I realized a lot of my net worth is tied up in my novelty t-shirts. So I really, I I stopped caring a long time ago. (laughs) I remember I used to beg my dad to take me to uh, a Gadzooks in North Riverside mall. That was before hot topic. They were the only place in 1998 that sold South park t-shirts. Oh, God. And I yes. wanted that South Park t-shirt. It was just the four boys standing at the bus stop. I wanted that so bad. And this was like 1997, 98. That would have been third grade. He's like, I'll get it for you, but you can't wear it to school. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. We're still going to Gadzooks. <laughs> <laughs> Gadzooks. My, my, my favorite thing about, because uh, I, I went to, you know, I wore uniform K through six and then again, nine through 12. Um, but every picture day, you could wear a non-uniform in my school. So on picture day, though, I never looked like I, I any other day of the entire year. I had like I'd always get a new hairdo. Like I remember fourth grade, I had a flat top, and I never wore a flat top for any other day for the rest of my life. And I wore like a <laughs> denim button up, but I had sweatpants on. Remember that? Never wore the denim shirt ever again. Like, and then in junior high, when I finally had to like start putting outfits together, mainly it was because that was when I was uh, what is that? Junior high or seventh grade? So you're like thirteen ish. This is like 1998-99. The Minnesota Vikings, Randy Moss. They're at the peak of their powers. I wore my Randy Moss jersey as much as I could. 
I didn't care if I got sweaty in gym class. I was just like, go to math, half wet from basketball. Uh, but I remember for for picture day, I went to American Eagle with my mom and she got me a chunky um, knit turtleneck, like dark forest green sweater. And it was just like, it made my fat cheeks. Cause you know, junior high is the worst for everyone. Right. And it was like, your body's lumpy and weird. There's no muscle yeah. there. Yep. And then I, then I, and then I got the, uh, the, um, the LA Knights like gel, like hardness level stone, you know, and just like made that fucking ski jump right up in front. I looked like such a fucking little asshole and I never looked like <laughs> any other day in the year. And I, I just wanted to like tell mom, like, why did you let me do this? Just say I look stupid and shame me. It'll help. <laughs> just, Don't say I look nice. Just <laughs> tell me I look like me. a little idiot and tell me to go change. I just, just shame I, me, mother. Shame <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, uh, Mitch, give us another chance to, to shame you now by revealing oh, your number five. Sure. Yes, of course. Um, so my number five on my top five list of the best back to school items is this is kind of like a combo, but in general, it's notebooks. Notebooks are great. I used to love getting it was the Mead brand. This is when I leveled up. I felt very important. I felt cool. I felt like perhaps a writer, maybe college ruled notebooks do you guys remember when you finally gave up the wide rule and you went to college rule and you had to start writing like an adult that felt great to me but me didn't have as many um adorned or themed notebooks so i still loved and i looked it up and the feelings came rushing back both good and bad starline brand sports wide ruled notebooks and folders I had the Emmett Smith one, if you remember that. Um, oh! We got an Uber. Yep, we crossed over into Uber stare down territory. Uh, pretty, pretty broad topic, the notebook folder family. But uh, Brian, read yours. I think you'll see that we have an intersection here. Uh, my number two, I believe you are referring to, is uh, the themed binder or trapper keeper. Uh, that's oh. what I have on my list here at number two. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So mine, uh, I mean, I, I just want to give a shout out to Starline. They made some dope folders. Uh, I mean, the, the action shots they got of Emmett Smith and Grant Hill and Shaquille O'Neal on those puppies. Holy crap. Those were inspiring. Um, I was sad that I could never have a Minnesota sports figure on one of my folders. They just never made them. Um, <laughs> maybe because we never won anything. That that could absolutely be a thing. That would definitely be why. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, good point. Um, and so <laughs> it, like, it, it always felt kind of wrong. So I'm like, I don't actually like the Cowboys, but I wanted some kind of sports on my thing. Like, as if someone wouldn't know from all that I talked about with sports or all I did was, you know, loved gym. They'd like see the folder and uh and they'd be like oh he likes sports you know uh but if you didn't get to target early enough in the back to school shopping season everyone out there knows what i'm talking about uh shout out to target uh twin cities company uh for real the best uh best department store there is um if you didn't get there early enough in the shopping season mm. you couldn't get matching folders and notebooks because the yes. very best would be to have a grant hill 
D- Detroit Pistons notebook. He's flying to the hoop. It's big. It's bold in the background. Grant Hill. It's back when the Pistons rocked that like teal and dark red and yellow. And then the notebook to match, which was always awesome. And again, every time you, you took these things out, let's say, oh, it's time to do social studies. I know social studies. That's Emmett Smith. Um, and uh, so I take that out and, you know, you, you always know what subject you were on. But I remember one day my brother played a horrible prank on me. And in hindsight, in hindsight it was an amazing prank. It was very funny. <laughs> but he was really good at drawing little fart clouds on people like in the newspaper and on his brother's notebooks and folders. And so he made Emmett Smith farting as he ran, which made me so angry because he was disgracing the NFL all-time rushing leader. So that's traumatic. It is. I I remember this is bringing up so many memories and I'm remembering I would get jealous of people's folders. I would get jealous of folders. Absolutely. And I think, I think there was also, this collective idea within the group of kids I grew up with that say, if you had a Ken Griffey Jr. folder. Oh, well, that, Ken Griffey that, Jr. I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, that, that meant you you were as good at baseball as Ken Griffey Jr. That's how it works. If you have the folder, <laughs> you're going to hit 400 career home runs. Yeah. And oh, God. Oh, and the, and, and, horrible. And, and, oh, kids, you, you have the Griffey folder. You wear your hat backwards a la Brian right now. Uh, you know, you have that smooth, silky swing. You've got the swag. You've got the confidence. Um, it, it meant a lot in those days. It meant, it meant a lot. Um, and, you know, also, I have to say the one that hurt me the most as a kid to have was Troy Aikman. Because, again, you don't get a lot of choice. You just, like, if you get there late, which sometimes the Brinkmans, we didn't get on the back-to-school shopping very quickly. So I had a, an Aikman folder. And then to go along with that, I think when I was in, I think it was like 10 or 11, my Aunt Jane got me a Troy Aikman jersey for Christmas that was like double XL because it was on sale, even though she knew I hated the Cowboys. Um, and so like that was like a double, you know, just like digging my own grave uh, with that. So you didn't, um, you didn't pull off a trade Aikman for uh, for, you know, you might have been able to get a couple second rounders in there. I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, famously uh, Aikman, uh, what, what did he uh, did he force his way to the Cowboys or something? He was kind of a, a, a petulant, um, a petulant uh, player. And much like my folder, uh, I couldn't move him. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, fair, fair yeah. enough. So, fair enough. Well, yeah. Brian, Brian, what are what are your thoughts? What are your memories of your your theme binders and trapper keepers and their importance to the so school year? I, I feel like trapper keeper was probably before my time, and then this was just was more about themed binders, and this was the option. You either have it themed, or you could have it big and thick. There was no middle option. So I remember I got a a Harry in my Potter. in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Shut I, up! I, Shut I, up! No, I, I, I said third grade. Brian, it, you don't have to use the word themed. You could say um, it's got personality. Um, it's got. Um, <laughs> oh, that's what set him off. That's what. Set it's him really. Off. It's got a it's lot got of a money. Curved, yeah, there's a lot of money in the binder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in third grade, I had a Harry Potter binder. The binder knows how to listen. Um, The binder knows how to cook. The binder um, calls his mother on a regular basis. Um, God damn it. My third grade Harry Potter binder. We don't all have feet so large. It's tough to find shoes not at outlet malls, Brian. I'm sorry, okay? My struggle is real. (laughs) So this binder that I had said, he who must not be named over the cross in front of it. 
but this <laughs> this thing could barely hold three sheets of paper. And I think it's due to cover the licensing fees needed to build said binder that it, they can only make it that thick. Mm-hmm. Or it was either they have that or I was a, I was a five star brand. I always wanted five sure. star notebooks. My mom would never get them for me because they were too expensive. But then there was the five star and that would be like a two inch ring on the binder and you could put tabs in for each subject. And then you yeah. get the five star mead folders that were already three hole punched. So not only did you have a binder, you had folders in said binder. And then this thing was crisp and clean and you had the color coded tabs. Sometimes I would even rip out the during my uh, office supply loving phase. I would take out these uh, little a, tabs. a phase that we all went through at age 13. It's so great. It's so great. <laughs> Like just walking down the up and down the aisles of Office Depot, just it's just brings back such joy to me. Um, but, you, like, but also the things you get at Office Depot are much higher quality than than the crap they they, they serve at Target. So it's true, um, it's true. Yeah. Um, then you'd write there, you'd write your little uh, subject name into the little white tab, and you'd be able to slide it back in, so then you could flip through it like that. And then every <laughs> binder has the front pocket and the back pocket right inside. And that thing was, it had no give. It was meant for a single sheet of paper and that's all you could put into it. And it was crisp and clean at the beginning of the year. And then those rubbery plastic things, they had no give, but then they were completely stretched out by the end of the year. They had the outline of a single pen or pencil that was stuffed in there. Um, You'd have loose leaf or when you'd ripped out loosely from your notebook, you'd have all the pilly little edges and those would somehow just end up stuffed in those pockets and this thing was completely unusable for a second year. You had destroyed it. Whether you what, put, go ahead. What you've what you've described is what my binder looked like at the second week of school. <laughs> I, the, my mom would buy me a new binder every year, and it was with the best of intentions. I would look at that thing and see like how organized it was supposed to be, and I understood the the theoretical applications of it and i was like oh boy if i get if i make it to thursday with everything still being in the correct subject folders that'll be that'll be a win for my mom were you you the kid that just had loose papers in your backpack that you would just rip out and hand in if you needed to you would never use the folders pretty much yeah that was me (laughs) you were were that kid oh boy straight a student Straight hey, A student. Hey, it's all that matters in the end. Who, who really <laughs> yep. cares? You, you see young Nathan in the back corner, just like twirling a pencil and staring off into the corner. And they're like, Nathan, did you even do your work? And he just, yeah, pulls out a single <laughs> piece of paper and it's like creased and like, check it out. You know, you're like, it's like young David Blaine, you know, or something like that. But now, okay, th- this is a question about your binders though. Was it the binder where it was a circular clip on the inside or was it the one that, that uh, that had like a straight up and down part, and then the other part was kind of U shaped, because because the, the circular binder clip on the inside, those never worked and those broke immediately. The best one was where it like one was almost straight up and down, and the other one kind of curved into yes, it. Yes, I know what you're talking about, and those are yeah. the ones I preferred. Yes. Definitely, yeah, a little straight edge and then into the curve, yeah. but still had the two push tabs at the top and the bottom so you could open it and get everything in nice and organized. Yes, of course, oh. yes, of course. Oh. That, that's thank, satisfying. Thank God oh. we've reached a consensus on this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, on, on that note, I'm scoring this round of right. binders, and oh, boy, that's a close one. That is a close one, but well, can I, I just... Can, 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 can I just make one last lob here? Um I would have loved to have to have gotten one Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen folder notebook combo. Could not find them. 
Um, that's probably because everyone just loved that team so much and they were the, the best ever and continue to be the best ever. Well, uh, no matter as, what LeBron does during these playoffs, <laughs> Michael Jordan is number one. So as, as you know, as you know, <laughs> yeah. huh? I, I definitely did have every Michael Jordan, uh, folder and binder and whatnot. And oh, out of sympathy oh. for you, never having it and bringing back those fond memories of me having Don't all of those dare. wonderful folders, Mitch gets three points. Oh, <laughs> I just want to go on record and just say that that's fucking bullshit. And that's all I want to say. <laughs> but, but, Brian, for your number five, uh-huh. you're also getting three points. Yes. Because I I can't tell you how vivid the memories of are me going to the excitement of wearing my new Led Zeppelin T-shirt when I was a freshman in high school and then it shrinking and me growing five inches in the next week and then it being pretty much unwearable. Uh, so you hit the nail on the head there. So it's three points for your round five. Mitch wins the Uber stare down. And then we're going to go up to number four. Brian, back to you. All right. I just want to say that last score you gave is not fucking bullshit. And it's much appreciated. Number four. (laughs) Number four. uh, Mitch touched upon this a little bit. This is my, the fifth grade gel spiked haircut. So very specific for me, the year is 2000 10 year old Brian is about to enter his last year of intermediate school and his most recent trip to haircuttery had him ask for the top being long enough to spike, please. And not just the front tips. We're spiking the whole flipping head. Again, I beg my mom for the fancy gel that the stylist tries to upsell us, but instead we go across the parking lot to Target right after to buy the big bottle of swab for men. This is a mm-hmm. big deal in 10-year-old Brian's life. Then uh, it comes the morning of you're going to do your hair for the first day of school. You lather up your hands, saturate your hair with product front to back, and then you do the one swoop to get the spikes but you still got some gel on your hands enough to accent a few of the pointier, more poignant spikes. And then you emphasize those and then have to rinse your hands and get that nasty shit off of your actual skin. (laughs) And then when you put it under the water and it rehydrates after it's been hitting the air for a little bit and it just slimes up and you got to get that off, but you don't care because you look cool as shit. And then your first gym class rolls around. And you realize that this shit sweats off, leaving you feeling like a crusty grocery bag after a pouring rain. You learn to keep a small bottle in your backpack for touch-ups, and all is fine from there on out. So, number four, the fifth grade spiked haircut. I definitely went through the spiked gel. I didn't do the the whole head. I did the I did the front the ski jump type thing. See, I never did ski that jump. Was, I always went whole head. I was I was convinced at age thirteen that having the perfectly gelled little ski jump thing is that was a girl was going to touch my dick. If I had that. That's this is the key. It's got to be the key. That's why everybody's doing it. Right. Yeah. I can't believe how far. I mean, for anybody who's listening has never seen a picture of me. My hair is well past my shoulders and that's how I've worn it for most of my adult life. Nipple so length. Nipple length I've, is what we usually I've say. grown out. I, I grew out of the, uh, the gel phase pretty quickly, but yeah. Why did we do that? Why did we all think it was a good idea? It was a three, four year phase for me. It was, it was quite a long time. 
So I, it, it, I think it stems from boy bands, right? Probably. Like, didn't, I mean, yeah, didn't I they guess, start it. This is yeah, the insane boys, Backstreet Boys band era. So it's like that was that was yeah. the era. Boy, have, and I, it felt like it felt like you could break off my hair. Correct. Just yes. like <laughs> yeah. snap it like a like a pretzel. Just yep, yep. I I have wonderfully distinct memories of my friend Brendan O'Hara in junior high, and he was a super nice kid, very popular, but a nice popular guy. You know, he like he was smart. He worked hard. wasn't mean to people. And he had he always had his hair was always on point. Always just. The same ski jump every single day. It's like he had an, an Olympic grounds crew every morning, just <laughs> you know, put it into place. But you always knew like when he needed a haircut because his hair would, because the, the the jump would start to droop. It would droop, and then the, the next day he'd come in, fucking fresh cut, bam, back to a hard ski jump. Per, perhaps that's it. It's it's a uh, it's an erect versus flaccid symbol that we yes, were trying yes. to project. <laughs> yes. Look at me. I'm a teenage boy. I'm hard all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. or, I have energy. Promise. <laughs> the saddest part about all this is that I felt like I had to do that because that's what everybody else was doing. Like, well, Nathan, whatever you do, don't be yourself. Just don't be yourself. Yeah. Then you'll be popular. Just yep. don't be yourself. Yep. Oh, that is... That is the, uh, that is the message that is given to everyone, boy, girl, well, whatever. Just don't be yourself, and school will be okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Oh boy. I mean, Brian, you're you're knocking these out of the park, but you're you're breaking my heart. <laughs> but M- Mitch, Mitch, I I gotta hear your number number four. I we we gotta we gotta see if you can counter that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my number four um are the Sakura brand jelly roll pens. Okay. <laughs> More right. office supplies. We, we have Woo! another another stare down. But so the the difference here though is Mitch has gone with a very specific brand yeah. of jelly yeah. roll pens. Yeah. Brian, please read out what is your number one choice? Number one? This yeah. is my Whoa. number one choice. My number Holy one cow. choice is a dizzying writing utensil variety. That's what I have on my list. So what we've got here is we've got Mitch and his Sakura brand jelly roll pens versus Brian taking the field. So Mitch, you have your work cut out for yeah. you. Let's hear it. Well, uh, Brian, I just first off, I just want to apologize. I guess uh, in advance uh, for negating your ability to have any sort of comeback because your number one is going to be gone and I'm going to have all the points. So, um, wow. yeah, uh, yeah. So the reason why the Sakura brand jelly roll pen was so, so important to have, um, at least at St. Luke's or excuse me, IHM St. Luke's uh, school and or Ramsey Junior High in St. Paul, Minnesota was because these pens were ice cream smooth. Um, they wrote beautifully. Uh, they were a, a treasure and a treat uh, to put pen to paper with these. Um, they have there was the Stardust version, which is like a glittery uh, jelly roll pen. There was the classic, which is like your medium to fine metallic, which looked like a reflective metal um, on paper, perhaps uh, telling one of your best friends um, or a cute uh, boy or girl, you know. You're, you're my gold medal winner or something like that, you know? And then there's the Moonlight one, which was opaque or luminous, um, you know, some more fun effects you could do. Maybe you're drawing some adornments on the on the edges of the note, perhaps. So um, which one are you using to write a, a love note to your uh, your sweetheart across the across the hall? 
I mean, for me personally, I'm going to go with a classic medium. Um, it's going to be bold, much like the words on, on, on the note. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell her how I think I'm going to tell her, um, what I think of, uh, uh, how good we could be together. And then I'm going <laughs> to go with the stardust on the outside and I'm going to, I'm going to create some beautiful little stars. Um, I'm going to, you know, try and show her what could be. Um, but, uh, oh, wait, God, sorry, guys. Hold on. Oh, 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 sorry. No, these, well, oh, this is all just a fantasy for me because I never got any notes in junior high. <laughs> I only had to watch people get notes. And this is why the jelly roll pen is a form of, of oppression. It's oppression is what it is. I had to sit in junior high and watch Nick Smith pull out his pockets, empty his pockets, eight notes on the desk. He didn't have to listen to the teacher. His his braces looked stupid and yet he got so many notes from people. He had the same ski jump hair I did. Oh, but he had an Abercrombie and Fitch sweater. Good for him. <laughs> Why did he get notes? Why did all the girls like him? He was shorter than me. Yeah, he was thinner. I don't know if that was the thing, but like, my God, I, what the, fuck? Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, All right. oh, the one time I got a note, it was a question to ask someone else. It wasn't even a note to me. <laughs> oh, I got that note. Yeah, oh. we all got that I've note. had I've I've had the the unintentional intermediary note when Middle I was in seventh note. grade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Was, I I definitely negotiated a few uh, junior high romances, but I never could never could have one of my own. Yeah. So I feel so, your pain. So, you know, but. hey, in a perfect world, maybe, yeah, I would have received a note and then sent one back um, using the moonlight and the classic to draw a beautiful little slice of pepperoni pizza and ask, you know, Chelsea out for a date for a slice, you know, to Nick and Willie's pizza. Um, yeah, maybe I would have done that if I had had the chance or the confidence. But, yeah, no, that I, I didn't, though. I didn't. I didn't actually own any jelly rolls either. <laughs> Nick and, Nick and Willie's go for a slice at Nick and Willie's pizza. Yeah, did was, you did you grow up in a 1940s comic strip? <laughs> <laughs> was that a real place? Please tell me it was. It was a real place. It was down on Grand Avenue, just a short block and a half walk from IHM St. Luke School. Um, and uh, yeah, I would have. It was the it was the place you would go on a date and you'd get a slice of pizza on a Friday mm. and I never got to go on one. And, uh, yeah, I would have, I would have loved to, it would have been great. I never owned my own jelly roll pens because I, I, I knew if I got them, someone would, would, would notice and say, why do you have jelly roll pens? You're not writing any notes. You're not getting any notes. So, um, yeah. The jelly roll pens. Is, they've been, this has been boiling <laughs> under your skin for decades now. <laughs> I never Nick, could have a jelly roll pen. Nick Smith, the number one popular boy at Ramsey Junior High. He was short. He had braces. He had a whole collection of jelly roll pens. He, he wrote a bunch of notes. But the weirdest thing, he got a bunch of lip gloss, flavored lip gloss as gifts from girls, and he would eat it during social studies class. And I still envied this kid. Well, what was wrong with me? I, I, I oh. did. I did hear a rumor about him that traveled all the way down to Roseville, Illinois, which was that really? his his binder was of the big and thick variety. <gasps> so. I actually have a big surprise on our phone line. Here is Nick Smith. Nick, oh. <laughs> and he's here tonight. Hey, uh, Nick, what's up? Hey, hey, man, I love you so much. You're so cool. I still want to be friends. You're so good uh, at soccer. Let's and actually, 
Nick Smith and I were on the same third grade soccer team together, but we didn't see each other again until junior high. And I don't know if he ever actually knew my name or not in junior high, but we were soccer buddies on the field. Our coach to train third graders how to play soccer just said, just try and pass it to your buddy. Just try and do that. He was my buddy. He scored all the goals. I just gave him the ball and knocked kids over. So, But um, number one yeah. in assists. Hey, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So perhaps I, I was always meant to be uh, the Robin to his uh, very odd Batman, but you know. Wow. Wow. We, we have uncovered a lot here. Uh, Brian. <laughs> sorry. No, this is, I, I mean, I just, you know, Brian and I are going to have to come over and make you a nice dinner and take your mind off things. Uh, I would love a tomahawk steak. <laughs> I was going to say, bring over a nice tomahawk. Yeah. Fire it up, uh, get you all Br- back and better. Brian, Brian, Brian give, it, give us a little taste of your dizzying array of uh, utensils that you're using to write. So, so Jelly Rolls was going to make my list, but the reason I didn't put it on my list is because of the toxic masculinity in junior high. Boys never owned Jelly Rolls. Girls had the Jelly Rolls, and you borrowed them because you really, really wanted to use them but you would never buy them yourself or ask for them because you knew the girls would have them and you'd be caught dead with a whole variety of stardust jelly rolls in your bag. So to make yourself seem cool, you always ask to borrow a jelly roll because you're going to talk to a girl. That's why I didn't make it on my list. But in my dizzying array of writing utensils, I have gel pens, highlighters, Felt marker tip pens. You need the black, red, blue, and green ones. Mechanical pencils. Real pencils. The ballpoint pens that my mom gave me when she was a drug rep. So I walked into fifth grade with Prozac and and, uh, Axid pens. Um, uh, in, the, in my younger days, I also would have had a Crayola eight. That's pack. not depressing my, at all. My mom was a drug rep, so I walked in with uh, my Prozac yeah. pens. Wow! And they kind of blended in because they were uh, one. They were yellow pens with blue tips, but they were just like a normal Bic click pen. That's all they really were. All I remember is they were so cheap and disposable because my mom had hundreds of them because she was supposed to be going around doctor's office pushing this stuff. That job didn't last long. She hated it. But those pens were so disposable that we could make things out of them. So you could take them apart, put the rubber band back in and flick it on your finger and turn it into a missile or hit it on somebody's back or hide messages in it and pass them around. So I was the kid at school passing around Prozac pens. Luckily, never got a call home. Um, In my (laughs) younger days, I would have had the Crayola 8-pack of markers but the 48 count of crayons with the sharpener in the back. And that's how you knew you were cool. And then on top of all of this, just in case you lost any of the above, the backup 50 pack of Bic black pens with the removable cap, just in case, because those you need to chew on, you need to tap on the desk with them, keep a handful in your backpack just in case you forgot a pen. You sure. always got to have those bics. So my number one, the dizzying array of writing utensils to get you through school. What was the name of the kid that never had a writing utensil in your class? Kyle. Kyle. It, was, it was Kyle for me too. <laughs> Mine was Drake. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. Always Kyle's, Kyle. Sm- so this kid, he was only in school with us for like up through second grade, but the thing about this kid was he smelled like shit. And I'm not I'm not saying he smelled did bad. He, did he I'm grow up on a farm? He, he's I don't know what the 
I don't know where the fuck this kid came from, but <laughs> when I say when I say he smelled like shit, I'm not saying he smelled bad. I'm saying he smelled like shit. Yeah. He just smelled like shit every single day. I was like, why does this guy smell like shit? Or poop, to, as I probably called it in those days. Sure. Not but a wipe. I don't know. I was yeah. uh Maybe well, his parents yeah. didn't didn't teach him how to like clean um his his rear end while taking a shower. Or maybe he never showered. I would guess the latter. Yeah. But, uh, Good lord. So 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 he just walked out of the cornfield one day and was just like, "I'm here. <laughs> Let's do he school." Was a, he was a he was a weird kid. Okay, now were your Kyles like my Drake? Did they always have like kind of like a beat up band aid on their finger? Yes, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Because Drake is the same way. Always why? had a little band aid on his finger for whatever reason. Yeah. And then my Kyle never bent his knees when he ran in gym class, so he ran like a stormtrooper. <laughs> like his, his his knees wouldn't bend, but he was super fast. Like they kind of like uh, Forrest Gumped. Like if he had like metal braces on him, like they wouldn't bend Whoa. the right way, and he would just run with his fingers up like this. And it never made any sense. But well, uh, we we're ruining next week's episode of top five Kyles we've encountered in our <laughs> life. So I'm gonna have to move move it along. I'm gonna have to score this Uber stare down and. Oh boy, and <coughs> Mitch. I mean, somebody's got a birthday coming up, and I know what I'll be getting you. Uh, oh. <laughs> you got you got a, a pack of Secure Brand Jelly Roll pens with your name on it. I want but- Nick Smith's skull on my front stoop <laughs> in a burlap sack, and I don't want you to wash off the blood. All right, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> well, we'll we'll take care of all of that. But uh, for for this round, Brian mentioning the uh, the subterfuge and the espionage you could pull off with the mechanical pens the the creating weapons and passing notes that's going to win you the three points so brian three points for this uber stare down uh you're gonna have to be more specific mitch too for us in order to give you your birthday present i i just did a quick search i have six thousand nick smiths in the tri-state area so (laughs) we'll have to narrow that down yeah that'll be a big Uh, job uh also i have to score brian's number four which was the uh the gel spiked haircut which uh, I mean, it was absolutely ubiquitous. So it, it's I, I got to give you a lot of credit here, mm-hmm. uh, but for for bringing back the the absolute tears of shame that I feel for having succumbed to this trend, I'm going to knock you one point down. So two points for uh, your round four. Totally, wow. totally fair. <laughs> All right, but you may uh, you may lead off uh, number three. Uh, actually, no, Mitch, you're going to lead off round number three, if you will, please. Absolutely. So my number three on my top five back to school items is a genuine real leather junior size football. It's got to be Nike if you're going the college style route or if you're going NFL style route, it's gonna, It's got to be Wilson. All right. It, it's got to be the, it's got to be the genuine article. And when you bring this thing to school, you're going out to recess. If you're like me, your, your recess area was just a giant black top with nothing else. So you better have a great football or a better imagination. In our case, we had a great football and uh, it was great because it was like the game can't start till I get there. I bring the football. uh, I, I, you know, it was mine. So I got to bring it home and I I got to get used to it. I got to know how to throw it. And we played so much football. That is all we did. We didn't even have to exchange words. 
you'd just get out to the playground, you'd line up, you'd pick teams, boom, you'd go. You wouldn't have to debate anything, negotiate rules, none of that. We would just go for it. And of course, in those days, as I mentioned before, Minnesota Vikings players were emulating Randy Moss with one-handed uh, deep end zone catches. We're emulating Chris Carter, tiptoes, barely staying in uh, on the sideline catches. We're emulating uh, goofy Brad Johnson with his uh, shoulder, or sorry, his elbow pads, throwing it with his like gawky elbow thing going on. We played so much football, um, and I, I I I applaud. I don't remember which girls it was. But there were a couple girls that would come and play with us, and um, th- like that was wonderful to us. I always like some of my most cherished memories from middle school is uh, um, what my friend John used to call sport sexing, which is just flirting <laughs> while playing sports. Um, you know, uh, oh, I, oh, I, I've, I've got to get you. I've got to cover you real close. You know, oh, I've got to box you out in basketball, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and we, we, we had a game. <laughs> that, like, <laughs> this was, I don't know how we got away with it. By, by seventh grade, this was the greatest game ever invented. Yeah. We had a parachute. And you would, everybody would sit holding the parachute, like mm-hmm. all the, all the way around in a big circle. And then like, I, I don't remember what the pretext was, but it was perfectly within the rules of the game. And in fact, the object of the game for you to go under the, the parachute and then grab people by the legs and pull them under the parachute as well. <laughs> so it was just like, it was like, okay, so you want me to take cover and then to go grab these girls in their gym shorts by the legs and just violently pull them towards me. And I was like, I was like, well, I know that what I'm doing is wrong, but I guess I have to. So might as well have fun. Wait, and, and, and the game was over when everyone was underneath a giant parachute? Like, yeah, was it was that? like last it was like last person outside the parachute was the winner, but in a in a in a much more in a much more real sense, the loser. So, it was, it, what what uh, a strange game. That's I mean that's, I think I think that was a game that where like somebody some teacher came up with it and then like maybe five minutes in real like, Oh, I realize I have made a horrible mistake because <laughs> <laughs> I only remember playing it once. But. Wow. This is called, uh, catch them and bring them into the cult. Uh, all right, here's the parachute. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like we, we, we played so much football. It was incredible, but it all came to a screeching halt one day when, um, I can, I can still, still remember who threw the pass. It was Steve Rupp. He was trying to hit my friend Ryan Fortune in the back of the end zone. He gunned it. It was way too high. It sailed. And the parking lot uh, on, on one side was an alleyway. It goes into the alley. And the rule was if you went into the alley without notifying a teacher or asking them or flagging them down, then you would you would get in trouble. So we're yelling for a teacher Miss O'Neill, Miss O'Neill, Miss O'Neill. She's talking. She's chatting with some students. She's not hearing us. And the milk truck, which just dropped off milk, is driving down the alley. And the ball is sitting there. And we cannot get into the alley without getting suspended. And we all stand there as we watch the truck drive over the football. And it makes the noise. And the whole time we're yelling like, stop, stop. And the milk truck driver just thinks we're waving to him. And he's just like, hey, drives over the football. Oh, man. And there went Oof. the game. Dead. So dead. before we move on, I have a quick football story. And I actually have a special eyewitness to bring on to tell this story. 
So we were playing football after hours once in uh, a one of the school football fields, mm-hmm. and I got tackled by one of the other guys. And Kevin, can you please explain to me what you saw after I got hit? So, fellas? Hey, Kevin! <laughs> what's Kevin, up, what's man? up? What up? All right. This is one of this is in my top five favorite Brian Ernst stories of all time to tell all the All right. So we're playing like after hours, you know, back lot football. Not even football. It was, it was called like Spear the Bleep. Okay. Yeah. And back then, like that was yep. a normal game to play. Whoever had the ball, you just hit them. There wasn't yep. really football rules per se. Okay. So game. it's let me yep. set this up. It's it's football weather. It's probably late September, early October, twilight, mm. the mm. brisk air. Okay, we're playing. I believe we're, we're it's like a tie close game. And Brian, me and Brian are on the same team. Brian gets the ball and he takes off down the sideline. I'm talking like two inches from out of bounds. He's cruising down the sideline. I'm right behind him, like cheering him on. Let's go. We're going to score. All right. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my left eye, here comes this freight train named Andy Pagan. Just completely level Brian. And I I'm, I keep my eyes on him. One second he's there. Next second he's, he's just gone. And I see this like object flying through the air, like perfectly through the air. And it's Brian's glasses just cruising <laughs> through the air. Oh. And like part of me wanted to just be like, oh my God, this was awesome. Part of me wanted to start CPR right away on Brian, but he was just legendary. Like, from my point of view, I was like a foot behind him when it happened, cheering him on, just in the air. You know, we're about to score, and then just completely flattened. Oh. Um, what did what was was it was great. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did was uh was was Brian concussed? Uh you know, he was all right, just uh I think he asked for a sub. After that play, <laughs> you know, it, it was like one of those, like, "Oh, I'm good. I just need a sub." But then, like a minute later, we looked. He's just walking down the street. Like, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> wow. I was pretty uh, done after that. I was done after that. This but, is this just, is amazing. Amazing though. This is a historic moment though. I think this is the first time there's been a successful call in on a pre recorded show. I don't know how we pulled this <laughs> off. We're in some sort of time bending vortex. I'm loving it. I, I love it. Yeah, wow. as soon as I heard you guys talking about football, I knew I had to bring in my eye. Right <laughs> so we can let Kevin get back on with his day. Thank you, Kevin Pope. Oh, thanks, Kevin. Good. Yeah. Yeah, Thank thanks, you, sir. Kevin. Enjoy. See you guys. Yep. Later. Oh, wow. I, I have my own uh, playground football story real quick. And you guys may already know this fact about me, but my two front teeth are fake due to a playground football accident when I was in junior high. Oh, boy. Um, Aren't your eyeballs fake, too, due to, a, like, a dancing accident in college or something? That's a, that's a story for another episode. Oh, it is. But, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yep, yep. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was, there's not much to it. But, yeah, it was just uh, somebody decided that they were going to just give me a little bit of a stiff arm as a block mm. uh, when I was, you know, not wearing a helmet. And then, boom, right into the teeth. So, I've had two – my two front teeth have been fake since uh, about, yeah, the year 2000. Oh, my God. Holy cow. Yeah, it, so. it sounds like the year two thousand had a lot of um, a lot of turbulence in it, uh, based on what we've heard so far today on the yeah. podcast. Part of the century, planets were aligned. Everything yeah. just went just crazy for us that time. Yeah. Ugh. All right, uh, Brian, we got to hear your number three. Let's hear it, buddy. All right, my number three um, is the biggest, baddest backpack. Mm. So, mm-hmm. backpack shopping 
was the freaking peak of back to school items for me. And I always wanted a bigger one than the year before. None were ever big enough, especially as you got older. The books get thicker, as do the notebooks, as you graduate from a single subject to a five subject, but you get a five subject for every class because heaven forbid you run out of paper. Plus, can I just also- say, can, can I, sorry, I'm sorry, but like the subjects that I took though had like a personality and again, we're great listeners and you know, we're, they weren't all giant and thick. So I just want to, <laughs> not all of us took the same courses. I just want to make that uh, Fine. clear. All right. Sorry. My courses were thick. <laughs> uh, then you also had that giant ream of loose leaf paper that you just were told to have. And mm-hmm. this is where I kind of wrote my details of college ruled versus wide ruled. I had one of each, depending on how much I felt like writing for a particular class. So if I really didn't (laughs) like the subject, I would write it on wide ruled and then I would turn it in and the teacher would yell at me for not having college ruled. And she wouldn't want me to just spend time working on something else because she wouldn't want to grade it again later. So I would just totally play dumb and get away with it. (laughs) And then, uh, then you needed a pocket for the multiple different binders that you had, uh, a, a water bottle pocket an extra pair of gym clothes, and then a bunch of loose change that you will never end up spending in your life just shows up in this bag throughout the year. And this thing weighs 40 pounds at least with all of your new school supplies, just like you were heading into like uncharted academic battlegrounds. And the one brand of backpack I always wanted but never got was a Swiss brand backpack. I never got it with the logo on it. It was just always the fancy looking one at Office Max. They always looked bigger. They were sleek and black and had the nice red oh, pop man. logo. I'm I'm sorry. I hate to tell this to both of you, but uh, for seventh through ninth grade, I had a Swiss brand backpack filled to the brim with Secura brand jelly roll pens. That was oh, all I had. God, we're going to have to kill Nathan. <laughs> You are my new Nick Smith. I will destroy you. Hey, I mean, I'm sorry. Wow. My parents love me. I, just, I can't help that. <laughs> Woo! Gauntlet oh tossed to the ground. I love Jesus, it. Jesus, man. And then for me, I either hit peak backpack or bottom of the barrel backpack. I believe it was my freshman year of high school. I had a red Jansport backpack from eighth grade that was still in pretty decent shape. But... This would have been probably 2004. I had my Van Halen phase. So with a black <laughs> Sharpie, I wrote the Van Halen logo on the back of my backpack in Sharpie. Oh my and God. the only reason this happened is because we found Van Halen live without a net in the discount clearance bin at Fry's. It was a DVD concert. And my dad always loved just DVD concerts of anybody. So whatever, he, he always had Bruce, always had Pink Floyd and stuff. And he was like, oh, Van Halen, haven't listened to him in a while. He picked that up. And there is like a 15-minute guitar solo of Eddie Van Halen alone on stage that then finally leads into eruption that I watched incessantly when I was still trying to learn guitar at this point in eighth grade. Like, had a huge effect on me. And it was... And this was this was Sammy Hagar at the time. I think this is right around 5150, I think, when it came out. So whatever, mm. for whatever reason, we got this DVD at the right time when I was learning guitar. And Eddie Van Halen just seemed like a, a god to me because his hands were so fast. And before I actually knew anything about music, this had a, so I'm like, I have to put this logo on my backpack. 
And you know me, I went to a predominantly black and Hispanic school where Van Halen not as popular in said community. So nobody even knew what the hell this logo was on my backpack. But I had to have it there. And that was how I started my freshman year of high school was with Van Halen. <laughs> how many years wow. after they were relevant? <laughs> I did not I did not know you had a Van Halen phase. It was short lived. It was only about a year, but uh I had it. I had it. Well Did you ever uh, name like a like a goldfish Cabo Wabo at all? <laughs> I did not, uh, unfortunately. Oh, okay. But uh, sure. uh Unfortunately, for bringing up your association with Van Halen, one of the musical acts I truly detest, I can only award you one point for this round. <laughs> Mitch, uh, Mitch yeah. for taking us on a on a real a real journey, uh, a lot of ups and downs with uh, with football uh, for all of us. I mean, yeah. so a lot of positives, a lot of negatives, but it was a necessity, so you get three. But then I have to circle back to Brian for surprising us all with a delightful visit from our friend Kevin out of nowhere. He's going to get a bonus point. So yeah. So two points there. And then uh, due to having two Uber stare downs, all that's left for us, I believe is Mitch's number two and one. So Mitch, uh, let's have your second choice. Sure. Yeah. So my number two is um, a, uh, this is a back to school item for when you're a bit older, uh, when you've, when you, when you're in college, and that is a Wisconsin State fake ID that you buy for uh, for forty five dollars in Canada. Whoa! Um, yeah, and so you go to downtown Toronto, Toronto, as Toronto. they say there, Toronto. Toronto. You go to Young Street, and you get north of College Avenue. Wink, wink. But that's actually true. And uh, there, you turns into there's a bunch of like tattoo parlors, you know, head shops, like those kind of things. And I believe it was Young Street Tattoos where I went, or it was like Incorporated Tattoos, aka Ink Tattoos. You go in and it's like a gift shop tattoo kind of thing, and they're souvenir IDs they call them. But you, you go up these, you go up these stairs, you go up to the second floor, and you come to like literally an octagon uh, foyer, and in, and there's like six doors, and in one of those doors you're very confused and you're a little scared. Because there's no signs, there's no, there's nothing on the walls, and you look, and there's just uh, two guys in a in a in a simple office with nothing on the walls, just a desk and a computer and a printer, and they say, "Oh, you you looking for an ID? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on in, buddy. Yeah, don't be scared." <laughs> and then you look back at your friend Brad Berry, and you say, "Is this this is what we're gonna do?" And you're like, "Yeah, this is what we're gonna do." Holy shit. Uh, and then you sit down, you get your picture taken. Um, you choose where you're from. I chose Madison, Wisconsin, because I think I look like I'm a a, a boy who could be from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I remember I looked it up ahead of time too on my phone. I I so I was from Redwood Lane, um, you know, oh, just nice. just just southwest of the campus, not not too bad, about ten minutes away. Um, and uh, then you pay your forty five dollars Canadian, so it was even cheaper American. Um, and then uh, they print it out, and. Away you go. You're from Wisconsin, and it scans uh, uh, at all bars and restaurants and uh, other, um, you know, uh, authority figures. Um, and uh, did this you ever is, have any close calls with this ID? Did you, or was it a hundred percent success rate? Um, this, I uh, no, it was always one hundred percent success. Never had a single uh, issue with it. I only had to actually take it out. I had one of those, you know, like plastic ID sleeves in my wallet. Mm-hmm. I only had to take it out of the sleeve once. Um, and this was much cheaper. This is sophomore year when I got this. My freshman year, I, I think I spent like 150 or something on on an ID that I got from 
uh, a guy that was traveling and was in one of the dorms uh, at DePaul and just like made 200 in a, in a weekend kind of thing. Um, and But I, I lost that one during a, um, a, a especially um, rowdy night um, out early sophomore year. Um, but uh, with that one though, I was once at uh, the, the, this is the closest time I was ever, I was ever, ever trapped uh, in the, in the fake ID hole. But thankfully my sports knowledge saved me here. Uh, an attendant at a liquor store in St. Paul, Minnesota looked at my ID. My first ID I was from Massachusetts. I was from Boston. And he looked at me, he looked at, he looked at the ID and he's like, you're from, you're from Massachusetts. And I was like, well, uh, no, my, my parents recently moved there. I didn't, I didn't like grow up there. I actually, I go to, to, to the U and I'm, I'm actually kind of, I grew up in Minnesota mainly. He's like, Oh, and he's like, but like, he's like, all right, listen, what street is Fenway on? And this guy grew up in Boston and had like a slight Boston accent and just had lived in Minnesota. I'm assuming for a couple of years, or whatever, or decades or something. And thank God, uh, this is like 2006 or whatever, just after, you know, the Red Sox broke their curse. So everyone knew a lot more about them. And I was like, fucking Yaki way, of course. And he was like, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Gave me the idea back as I looked like I was 13 buying, you know, a 24 pack of beer and like two handles of vodka or something, you know, something obviously what an underager would purchase. Um, the amount so of I, I crimes love, I love that, that, that story. A, the amount of it's crimes Mitch is a, of like, Oh, like alluded to on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but you know what though, when you go to Canada, it, it actually wasn't that sketchy. It was actually, you know, it, it, it was a pretty easy little operation. And then of course, you know, going to college in Chicago, it came in handy getting me just getting me into places to hang out with friends uh, all through college so so it's so it's easier to commit forgery on an international scale than it is to do it domestically mm. Got it. exactly cool. and, that's uh, that's good to know yeah. that's what i've been doing wrong all these years all mm-hmm. this time yep and when i was trying to find back this place where i went uh, using both uh google street view and the internet found out that the uh, toronto authorities uh cracked down on these on these uh, uh quote unquote souvenir id shops so i don't think it's it's as possible anymore, but uh, man, the good old days of two thousand and seven or six, whatever it was. <laughs> well, well, I but I am I am a man who values law and order. Some have called me by my new nickname, the Law and Order President. So I oh. can't give you <laughs> I can't give Wait. you a full three points, but I also can't just give you one point because you brought up my beloved mid two thousands Red Sox with David Ortiz and yes. Manny Ramirez and Pedro Martinez back when I used to watch baseball. So Mitch, you're getting two points okay. for your number two. Uh, and oh, now you have a, you have another an addendum. Well, I was, I was going to say I like Law and Order, but I prefer SVU myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're the you're the you're the SVU president. I'm the Law and Order president. <laughs> Correct. Yes, Brian, <laughs> Brian is the NCIS president. <laughs> this is what all our friends call us. Everybody yes, knows that. Absolutely. All right. So, Mitch, uh, it's your number one. Let's hear it. Yes. So my number one is um, something that's specific to my own high school experience. Uh, I went to an all male. Catholic military college prep high school called St. Thomas Academy. It's in Mendota Heights, Minnesota. And so part of this whole experience was you wore a military uniform every day to school, gray wool pants, black stripe, light blue button up shirt. You've got your name tag on there, your um, military rank on your epaulets. um, And then a black tie as well, a belt. You had to keep your, your belt um, buckle shiny. And then of course, black dress shoes. You also had to keep shiny. Uh, you were always subject to a spot inspection if any military teacher saw you and might think they could uh, slap you with a demerit. And so my sophomore year, I invested 
I found these shoes in a store somewhere in St. Paul. I don't remember what store it was, but it was an absolute godsend. And so therefore my number one item on my top five back to school list is a pair of black patent leather shoes. And these saved my ass because I never had to shine my shoes again. Who who here has shined a pair of shoes before? Anyone? No, never. never. No. Okay. All right. So it, what it takes is you're, you're doing layers and layers of, of, uh, of the shoe polish, and then you're getting water or spit. You're shining it, more layers. If you do it properly, as we were taught freshman year, it takes a solid 40 minutes to get a nice shine on. Now, it doesn't last that long, so you've got to do that on a regular basis. That's a lot of time, and it's annoying, and you always have to be worried about it. Patent leather, though, remains shiny at all moments. It's incredible. Um, you can always look down and see your face in them. The military military teachers could never slap me with a demerit. Sergeant Major McDowell, his reign of terror was over. Thank you very much. Um, I did respect him. Sergeant Gifford no longer sneaking up behind me and handing me a slip with minus two, which would take me down at one percentage point in my military class. First Sergeant Hansen, no longer threatening to stab us. Yes, he did that. He was a, a messed up man, had a lot of uh, demons from <laughs> oh, Vietnam. Uh, he couldn't slap me with demerits anymore. And then also beyond this, beyond saving me work and time, uh, when you have a pair of shoes on that has incredible shine, you carry yourself a little straighter. You know, like your spine's a little, a little higher, a little more erect. You have more respect for yourself. You, you know? built yourself from the ground up. Exactly. By <laughs> purchasing these shoes at a store. And then in the future, <clears throat> they came in really handy because not to uh, brag, but uh, this uh, pair of shoes with a lot of personality, you know, little curve that likes to listen, went to three proms um, senior year. And so wow. instead of renting a tuxedo over and over again, I just bought one. And guess what? I already had tuxedo shoes because these black patent leather dress shoes. Um, so those came in handy. Uh, I danced the night away, got real sweaty th- for three different high schools, uh, end of the year celebration. Do you uh, still have these shoes? I don't because um, I I tossed out most of the things that reminded me of high school after high school. And, uh, and they were always just like a little bit small as well. Um, and so I... I left them behind and, and they got, I think, donated or something like that. Years and now back, some so. other high school student is hopefully having as much success with those hopefully. shoes as you did. Hopefully. What, what I still do have are my class A, the class A dress military coat with all my medals on it. It's like just about 10 feet from me here in my room uh, and my and my hat that I used to wear. So That your, that your lady makes you wear on special nights. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. What, what I want to see is a Pixar movie about Mitch's shoes and <laughs> the life that they lead after Mitch donates them and then they go off and, and bring other fine young men up and, and give them, instill them with self-confidence. I believe respect. it's already been made. It's called Adam Sandler's The Cobbler. <laughs> oh yeah oh dear go see it um so yeah and i and uh my my military coat on i mean like my shoes uh were always a little small but my coat i remember as a freshman there was one of the saint thomas moms that was helping us to purchase uniforms told my mom and i that i would grow into this coat and so i should get like an xl or an xxl <laughs> and so forever during my entire high school career my military dress 
a coat never fit me. It always swam on my shoulders. <laughs> so it, it, I always felt like a silly child in it. So I think, you know, it, it, it never like whenever I put the coat on, I felt worse, but you know, just regular pants shirt with those shine shoes. Watch out world. Here I come. Oh my. Well, that was, that was a beautiful story. Thank you. Um, and it's worthy of three points, but since I'm the teacher and you are students and I pretty much get to do whatever I want <laughs> and, and you are millennials who are coddled and everybody gets a trophy, you get two points. So the game is tied. Everybody's a winner. <laughs> you can come pick up your participation trophies as soon as we're done recording. Can, can, can you just email me a PDF of the certificate? Thank you very much. That's all I want. <laughs> All right, that's it. The bell has rung. <laughs> Class dismissed. That means that means it's time for my fast five, which is going to be full of a lot of words. <laughs> As so, they normally are. I mean, so we- strap in. Uh, this is the top five unmade sequels as described by Variety magazine. For those of you unfamiliar with Variety, is a trade paper in Hollywood famous for its headlinese or slanguage, which incorporates various slang and abbreviations to cram as much information into the headlines as possible. This led to the creation of such well-known terms as showbiz. The most famous example came from a story in 1935, which detailed how audiences from rural areas were unsatisfied by the portrayals of rural life in Hollywood films. The headline read, Sticks, Nicks, Hick Picks. (laughs) So, here are five unmade sequels to famous film franchises that Variety had summarized, but sadly never had the chance to print. Number five, Star Wars Episode Whatever. Luke Skywalker has retired to live the quiet life on Tatooine, where he spends most of the time in his kitchen trying to replicate recipes from his favorite TV program, The Great British Bake Off. (laughs) Imperial espionage, espionage units track him down and are able to steal his lightsaber. Ever resourceful, Skywalker uses the Force to propel his fresh pastries into their approaching TIE fighters to win the day. Or, as Variety put it, Sky Guys Pies Fly Sky High Spies Cry. (laughs) (laughs) And number four, we have the aborted Matt Damon vehicle, The Born Redundancy. (laughs) An unearthed draft of this unmade entry into the Jason Bourne series sees the recently retired secret agent blissfully enjoying solitude while learning to play the saxophone. An international security crisis brings him out of retirement to once again save the day, but his instrument is the only thing to bring him peace of mind, so he can't bring himself to leave it at home. And in the final mission, nefarious terrorists terrorists break the saxophone in two. Dejected, Bourne takes up the solitary sport of corn husking to ease his pain. Or, as Variety put it, Forlorn Bourne mourns torn horn with shorn corn. (laughs) (laughs) And number three, The Godfather Part 4. The tepid response to The Godfather Part 3 ensured that Coppola's planned fourth installment would never make it out of development hell. The script focused on the minor character of Michael Corleone's son, Anthony. With the criminal empire in ruins, he has gone straight with a family pasta business, but without the underhanded tactics of his ancestors, he faces financial ruin and cannot support his young daughter's interest in equestrian show jumping. He turns back to a life of crime and enters the black market of counterfeit PlayStation video game consoles. Or, as Variety put it, Corleone crony Tony's macaroni is baloney, sells phony Sony's to buy pony. <laughs> <laughs> And number two, Harry Potter number eight. 
This unmade entry in the series finds a middle-aged Harry who has grown disillusioned with magic and wants to live a simple Spartan life in the muggle world and pursue his newfound hobby of writing spec scripts for late 1970s American TV shows. <laughs> Is that it? His, That's great. I love it. His, his offspring, Lily, has, devoted a, uh, has developed a penchant for raising semi-aquatic mammals. Harry has moved them into a dilapidated house with barely any heat or amenities, and Lily is forbidden to use magic to provide a habitat for her pets. When she breaks the rule, Harry is annoyed, but uses the incident as material for one of his spec episodes. Or as Variety put it, Potter's daughter makes water hotter for otter. Harry Cotter uses fodder for welcome back Cotter. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. And uh, oh then God. we have number one. This is a James Bond flick. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, ready. We're ready. Okay. Yeah. Bond attends an international cooking festival and falls in love with the beautiful <laughs> Canadian chef who wins for her delectable duck confit. He whisks her away to his home in the Scottish Highlands where her driving skills are called into question. When the sinister Spectre agents arrive at Skyfall to attack Bond, his lady love tries to make escape in an all-terrain vehicle, only to get caught in the mud and run over Bond's prized stag. However, true love wins the day, and the notorious womanizer settles down with his new companion. Or, as Variety put it, Bond plucks Canuck for duck, Canuck sucks with truck, hits buck and muck, bad luck, but together they are stuck because she's a real good... Cook. <laughs> and that's this week's edition of Uber Cinco. From UBK Towers in Berwyn is Brian Ernst. And from the Southport Corridor is Mitch Brinkman. And I've been Nathan Hennenfit, and as Bisbur always says, slack off now, there's no guarantee you'll have time to slack off later. Alfita Zane and adios. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.